Mental Health Monday is an informational podcast and should not be used to replace the specialized training and professional judgment of a healthcare or mental health care professional. Mental Health Monday can't be held responsible for the use of the information provided. Please always consult a trained mental health professional before making any decision regarding treatment of yourself or others. Self-help information and podcasts and information on the internet is useful, but it's not always a substitute for professional assistance. Unless otherwise noted, guests of Mental Health Monday are not doctors or licensed in any way. Our hope is to make a connection with you and be more open and honest about everyone's mental health. Enjoy the podcast. Mental Health Monday! Hey, and thanks for checking out another Mental Health Monday. I am Riggs from Riggs and Alley in the morning on 103.7 KISS FM in Milwaukee. It is still Mental Health Awareness Month, the last Mental Health Monday podcast for Mental Health Awareness Month. My guest this week is Drew Dyerson. He's a licensed professional counselor with Rogers Behavioral Health. He specializes in helping those who suffer from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD is an anxiety disorder that can occur following the experience or witnessing of a traumatic event. And a traumatic event is a life-threatening event, such as a military combat, natural disasters, uh, terrorist incidents, serious accidents, and also what Drew deals with, physical and sexual assault survivors. Now, PTSD is a real problem that can happen at any age. And if you feel like you might have PTSD, you're definitely not alone. It affects over 14 million American adults in any given year. So... How do you know if you even have PTSD? How does it get diagnosed? How do we treat it? What are the stigmas surrounding it? How can you help a friend who might be suffering themselves from PTSD? And how can you manage it moving forward with your life? We'll discuss it all today in another episode of Mental Health Monday and my guest from Rogers Behavioral Health, Drew Dyerson. So I guess to start off, what would be your definition of PTSD? Your personal one. How do you explain it to people? The way we've been looking at it and the way I look at it is mostly it's a disorder of disrupted recovery from trauma or something like that so mm-hmm. talk about like getting stuck in recovery that okay. kind of thing yeah. so it would be like I guess you break a bone that injury heals mm-hmm. and that's better Right. But you're always going to have the trauma from the accident, yeah. from what happened, right. how you broke it, right. what happened leading up to it. Right. And even with like a traumatic event, lots of people experience trauma, but for some reason, some people just get stuck in that recovery process. Right. Yeah. So what do you do for, how do you treat this? Like mm-hmm. moving, like when somebody comes in with a severe case of PTSD, mm-hmm. how do you, you know, spearhead that and tackle it yeah. immediately? How do you, okay. what, what are your, your early yeah. steps? So... Early on, we're spending maybe like a week or so kind of doing some assessments, um, talking minimally about the trauma, just trying to get it to understand and be comfortable opening up to a new person. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of rapport building. And then as quickly as possible, we work into what's called prolonged exposure. Um, and that is our number one treatment for PTSD. Prolonged exposure treatment. Yeah. How does that, mm-hmm. what does that mean and how does that work? Yeah, so prolonged exposure falls under the CBT realm of therapy cognitive yeah. behavioral therapy yes. yeah. so yeah i've heard some other guests talk about that too yeah um so it's a type of exposure therapy where we combine in vivo exposures which is like real life exposure like um looking at a red car for example right um and then imaginal exposure which is like the trauma narrative is what we call it okay yeah. so that would be if somebody was in an accident with a red car that's yeah, the one thing for example yeah. you find their triggers and you find ways to expose them to those triggers yes. kind of right and that's where this gets really fun for a therapist because you get to be creative in the way that you design these exposures and we build them all and put them on a hierarchy and we rank them or the patient will rank them 
one to seven for severity. And we'll just start at like the three, four range and work our way through them. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's so do you take everything on a case by case basis, yes. depending on what it is? Yep. hundred percent. What are the case. different types of instances that people would maybe experience PTSD? Mm-hmm. Cause mostly there's this, there's the thinking that it's only military people, right. mostly law enforcement people mm-hmm. that would get PTSD. So, uh, what, what types of traumas are you mm-hmm. dealing with with some of your patients? Yeah. So we, we rarely see military, um, at Rogers, um, mostly sexual assaults, um, car accidents, health problems too. Sure. Um, pretty much everything else that's not military based. Right. That, well, it could be yeah. anything really. Right. It could yeah. be natural disasters. It yeah. could be you witnessing somebody dying right. that could, yes. they could trigger yeah, something like that. Yeah, death of like a that. loved one, that one comes up often too. Yes. So. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people who have found a loved one who mm-hmm. died from suicide. Yeah. They find their yes. loved one and that's going to create a lot of yeah. you know trauma down the road mm-hmm. and probably some, some, some horrible triggers I would yes. think. Right. So is there a lot of sensitivity that you have to take early on or do you want to go kind of more aggressive with PTSD? Because you want to obviously right. want to be ginger about it and not yeah. trigger somebody and traumatize them even more mm-hmm. so how do you walk that line and make sure that you don't go too right. far that is the like every a good therapist they figure that out at some point yeah where it's you can push and it's all i think really it's just based on rapport so yeah. once that person trusts me enough then i know i can push and still ask like how is yeah. this going do we need to back off so it's really like a tandem like i'm not even really driving i'm just in the passenger seat okay so yeah but pushing as much as possible where we're still effective. So that's kind of your daily hands-on training yeah. is this CBT-ish yep. type training, this mm-hmm. prolonged exposure. Yes. Yeah. And so are, do, do people react differently? How long can somebody be in treatment for PTSD? Yeah. So at my level of care with the IOP, PHP, so that's three or six hours a day, every uh-huh. day, um, that's a little longer, but prolonged exposure was designed for 12 sessions in okay. outpatient setting um so that's where it's like one trauma um you're an adult and it's you know it's been le- like six months so okay. it's not like right away yeah. so that's the base for prolonged exposure at rogers it takes about two to four months to go through the whole program okay um just because it's the more severe reactions yeah. to, and more severe PTSD cases. What are some symptoms that somebody might uh, might experience mm-hmm. to make them think that, you know, I might have some yeah. signs of PTSD. Maybe yeah. I should talk to somebody about this. Mm-hmm. So kind of break them down into three clusters, we call them. Okay. So the first one is um, re-experiencing events. So this is like your nightmares, um, something called flashbacks where you physically and mentally feel like you're back in the event uh-huh. um, so everything around you just feels like it's happening again yeah um, that would be also intrusive memories so you're awake and you're kind of going through your day but you have this memory that you just cannot get out of your head so that's the first one the second one is avoidance so this like where that red car comes in like okay. if you avoid red cars any know. avoidance yeah and to the point where it's disrupting your life um, you know, I'm not driving down that road because there's right. three red cars. And yeah. that's, gonna, that's gonna right. Or my abuser lives in that city, so I don't yeah. do. I don't have anything to do with like Milwaukee or the letter M for Milwaukee. That kind yeah. Of thing. Can yeah. you get that much to like a letter? Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. That's usually some of our first exposures are write the first letter of your abuser's name. Wow. Yeah. If they can even get to that. Yeah. Point. And yeah. you deal with a lot of sexual assault survivors yeah. and people that are dealing with that. Yeah. That's yeah. that's got to be an, an incredible amount of trauma. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Definitely. Men and women both alike. Yes, yeah. We see more women, and you know, I don't know exactly the numbers and everything like that, but you know, men and women are 
they both experienced sexual assault and right. women just present to treatment more right so, but we do get our cases of men too and sure i think for me those are extra humbling too because i know like there are some stigmas wrapped up in that too and being it's a man too, yes. working with them so. it's hard enough for men to come yeah. forward about their feelings yeah. as it is mm-hmm. uh, overall in general do you see more women than men yes mm-hmm. yeah really yep which is tough. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, why we do stuff right. like this. And kind of get used to it. Yeah. And then, um, then the third symptom cluster is increased arousal. Okay. So this is like you're feeling jumpy or um, like startle response is pretty high. You feel like you always are watching and hypervigilant. Um, this is also where sleep problems come in. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have difficulty sleeping. Especially, right. So, yeah. Or, and for men too. This is where like the anger comes up, the yeah. excessive anger and kind of explosions. Right. And you've had uh, some instances in your life personally that mm-hmm. uh, I've kind of witnessed yeah. that you've had through social media. You and your wife just had your first baby. Yes. Yeah. So what has just happened with this that you may be, you know, yeah. are you susceptible yourself to PTSD because of this? So, yeah, I think. It'll tell, so, first of all, to say what happened. Yeah. So, so um, Jack Redmond Dyerson, yeah. he was born on the 30th of last month and some complications with the not with the birth, but he just wasn't breathing on his own. Okay. So he was rushed over to the NICU and it was like four minutes of chaos. Like I was getting split up from my wife and she was still in the bed getting her everything taken care of. And so it took probably like two or three days for everything to kind of calm down. Yeah. And so what we've been doing is every day going to the hospital and you, know, you have to check in, you put your phone in a bag so you don't spread any germs. You wash your hands up to your elbows yeah. and they got little lockers and I saw signs for um, like postpartum depression, and, uh-huh. like, and then right next to it was, well, fathers can also get postpartum yeah. depression too. Fathers don't think they can, but yeah, they totally can. Right, and I'm sitting there, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, I like, I've been fairly blessed to not have much mental health problems my entire life, uh-huh. and it was emotional sitting there that first time I was wow, I need to make sure I talk about what I'm feeling. Yeah. Because if I store this in, I know this 100%. is not going to go well. well this yeah. is your first child. Yeah. So now are you going to have problems down the road and worrying right. about if we have a second child, is mm-hmm. this going to happen again? Yeah. And those are some of the conversations that from seeing those signs there, I was like, we need to talk about this Good. now. Because I know in the future, like what happens if avoidance comes up of intimacy or avoidance of wanting another kid. So, yeah, yeah. All that stuff could hit yeah. you. And are you, your wife and you both are mm-hmm. talking about this, I'm yeah. sure yes. in tandem. Yeah. And it's great that you're in the field. So, you yeah. know, you know what to look for. I, I found myself using the things that I work with every day on myself. <laughs> so what were you using on yourself? Yeah. So I was doing a lot of breathing, like paced breathing, yeah. um, just to kind of keep my emotional energy where it needs to be. Um, I was doing lots of meditation. Um, for me, spirituality is a big thing too. So a lot of prayer and yeah. kind of talking through that. Uh, but then also like checking my avoidance. Like was I timid to go to the hospital this morning because yeah. I didn't I was, I was, didn't want to see my son going through something. Yeah. Or so kind of like those check-ins, but then making sure I'm still living my values that I want to live. Do you find yourself almost kind of resenting people that have the healthy babies you see them walking in and going right back out and you think ah that must be nice um i think for maybe like for a day i yeah. did but then seeing the support of just the other families that are in the NICU with yeah. us like 
they're so caring. Going out of their way to talk with us. And I bet. Because so. you're all going through similar situations, mm-hmm. I would right. imagine. Everybody has their own yeah. story. Yeah. So how do you think, what do you do to support somebody that might be suffering from mm-hmm. PTSD or something similar to this yeah. type of situation? Uh, it takes a lot of vulnerability on both sides. Um, and I think that that kind of is pulling out from what I do at work too, Yeah. is... The willingness to be vulnerable and also to help somebody else be vulnerable back to you. Yeah. Um, so like that first, like <laughs> telling that my wife that I'm feeling this way about something like that's a vulnerable step. Yeah. And I I knew I had to take it, and it was that was almost as scary as everything else going on because I was yeah. like, I have to be emotional and not like put on the strong man kind of picture. You sure. Know? So. I think it's a lot stronger that you did do that. Honestly, yeah, in hindsight, yeah, <laughs> right. I think it's way stronger to do yeah. that than to push it down and be mm-hmm. like, "I got this." I'm right. gonna push this down. I'll deal with this in 15 years. <laughs> right. And I preach that every day, but then until you have to do it yourself, you're like, cool, yeah. "Okay, yeah." I, I, I'm totally there with you because mm-hmm. I've I'm like you. I haven't dealt with a lot of mental illness on my own. Mm-hmm. I've been good about you know being open about my feelings, and I go, you know what, something's happening. I'm not gonna push this down. I'm gonna deal with it yeah. and get it out and mm-hmm. flush it out with whoever I may need to approach yeah. about it or right. talk to my wife about it or talk to a friend about it yeah so how do you how do you maybe get somebody to to reach out for help somebody Mm -hmm. that's reluctant to be vulnerable yeah you know that they have an issue it's clear to you but your friend Mm -hmm. who maybe has gone through a sexual assault or has experienced something traumatic Mm -hmm. how do you support them and get them to help themselves and kind of help them be vulnerable okay um i would say if you kind of look at those symptoms those clusters and if you can get some like clear evidence like hey i have noticed this for you and kind of having that deeper talk like this is really getting in the way of your life and i'm here to help you in any way i can and i think like maybe treatment might be something that could be helpful and so just kind of starting that dialogue yeah open with them what are some of the stigmas around getting treatment because some of the stigmas are what keep people from doing that yeah i think you know a lot of because we also do family sessions um one or two for each patient and a lot of something that we hear is well why don't like just think happy thoughts or like just get over it or it could have been worse so there's all these kind of like guilt trippy shame filled kind of things that family members who could be trying to be so nice but they just say something that doesn't really validate so just working through the yeah just kind of working through those statements and getting somebody to really open up or even if it's just like a little bit, but yeah. to like actually have a deep talk. So. Are there some things out there about PTSD that you mm-hmm. think are harmful to what you do, to your work? Maybe stigmas that mm-hmm. people do or ways that people joke about it or like, yeah. oh, that gives me PTSD to see that dog yeah. or something. I, I don't do a lot of social media, so but right. I have seen a couple of things like that and like, well, people say, oh, I'm triggered or that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like those kind of take away from the power of what other people are experiencing like because if uh-huh. somebody's like oh i'm triggered over whatever the lunch was for the day or something sure. like that like, that kind of was like oh like should i really be triggered over this so it kind of takes away from the power right. just like when people say i'm so depressed right and they mean sad or something else but like right. there's a difference yeah. or they say that's crazy or you're being crazy yeah. or they're acting right. crazy yeah no, you're, you're kind of painting them in a negative light, I yeah, think. Yeah, right. And then, you know, for the men, too, like, if a man comes in who has dealt with sexual assault, like, that in itself, like, 
don't want to talk about that and like taking away like the man card or something like that too so yeah yeah uh go back to that moment when you knew that you had to be vulnerable with your spouse about Mm -hmm. your feelings i guess what helped you be vulnerable where did you find that strength inside Mm -hmm. of you was it because of what you do or that was a huge huge part of it because i had this kind of funny vision of myself like running groups and working with people and like you just gotta like you gotta trust me you gotta be vulnerable like we're we're working on tackling avoidance and vulnerability like that's what we need to do yeah and i was like how can i go through this and not apply it to myself yeah yeah. what do you suggest to your patients and people you work with once you've realized they've kind of they've dealt with it you've had some sessions you've been with them for maybe 12 sessions like Mm -hmm. you said how do they move forward and how do they still have a healthy life and manage their ptsd and make sure Mm -hmm. that they keep it you know under control moving forward yeah um so typically when people have gone through our program um like i said it's about four months and we work on titrating them so it's kind of like you'll take a couple days off of treatment and then you'll come and report back how did it go so we really do a nice gradual transition and we make sure everybody's got a therapist set up outside for at least once a week Mm -hmm. and a psychiatrist too if like medications need to be managed yeah um so the transition process is pretty scary can be yeah but like working and being compassionate with them through that time and making sure like this is set up for you and it's there for you to take it when you need it when you're done it's great I love the work that you do Uh, Mm -hmm. Rogers does great work with everything I've talked to a lot of your doctors so (laughs) you guys have a great behavioral program Uh, they're all pretty great honestly if you ask me Mm -hmm. so Drew Dyerson thank Mm -hmm. you very much for coming on uh, the podcast for Mental Health Monday really appreciate you coming on I'm glad we could make this happen finally absolutely cool (laughs) thanks man if you or someone you know is maybe struggling with PTSD or maybe even something darker like suicidal thoughts you can always reach out for help the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255 or you can always text the word hello to 741-741 and someone will actually text you back and talk to you so you don't have to have a voice conversation if you don't want to. It all starts with talking. You're definitely not alone with your feelings because lots of other people going through exactly what you're going through. That's been the whole purpose of Mental Health Awareness Month and hopefully you've checked out my videos on my Riggs Radio Instagram page. I put them all up there. Thank you for listening to these podcasts for Mental Health Awareness Month. I'll be back with a new episode in a couple weeks. I got to take a little bit of a break. Mental Health Awareness Month wound up to be one of the most mentally taxing months of my life so far. If you're wondering what happened, Google break from Drake. It's been kind of a whirlwind this month. And as much as I get on here and preach about taking care of your mental health, I need to take care of my mental health. So I'll be back with you soon for another Mental Health Monday. This is a Riggs Off the Radio podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day, your weekend, your afternoon, your night, your morning, whatever it is you happen to be doing. And remember, make good life decisions. Mm